Kia ora, good morning and welcome into SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo at four past six. Uh, I know Robbie's uh, just checking his moonshine still, that's why that took a little bit. Uh, Is he having a coffee or something? What was he doing? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, but it's good. He's just put his 10-gallon hat down and he's away and laughing. So uh, no, that is all good. Welcome into the show. Good morning to you. And uh, Izzy, I understand uh, that mm. the um, England test matches against uh, the All Blacks, their tour here uh, mid-year, are going to be announced today. The dates and the venues. And uh, yep. hearing Dun- uh, Dunedin, July 6th, and Auckland, July 13. Yeah. Yep, yep. 8 a.m. I think it's going to be announced. So while we're on air, we're going to get uh, the exclusive from the All Blacks and their schedule for the year and um, that England Test Series, which will be awesome to see England coming down and uh, seeing what they're able to do with a different look. England side, Owen Farrell, has obviously moved on. So it's a new look side. Steve Borthwick uh, started his campaign last year and Struggled, but uh, got to a, a Rugby World Cup semi-final. So, yeah, they'll be good. Uh, Dunedin, we played them there. I think the last time they toured, we had, a, we had a test match there. It was when Ben Smith ran down Manu Tuilangi, and uh, we got the win. We got a, we got a pretty solid result against them. So, uh be good to see the English travelling and touring again. I think the last time, we had the British-Irish Lions, we had the, Welsh, uh, the Irish last year, so... Good to see those UK Six Nations, which starts this weekend as well. Yeah, and uh, tomorrow morning, uh, just after 8 o'clock, Nick Evans, uh, former All Black, is going to join us. Mm. Of course, coaches up in the UK, and uh, we're going to go through the Six Nations with him and get a, a bit of a preview for you ahead of it kicking off for the weekend. Today, though, uh, it's only a week away, is he, from the trade window closing in the NBA. So Oli Cassell. The bird rights. Mm. Uh, he covers predominantly the New Orleans Pelicans, but uh, NBA overall. He's going to join us out of New Orleans. We'll go through in the next week. What are we going to see? Who needs what? I know your Lakers are, are struggling a bit. They had a, a loss the other day. They're on the on the edges of the playing tournament at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're struggling, mate. Uh, they're absolutely struggling. It's, uh, it's good to see tr- not non-traditional playoff teams that are – that are flying at the moment. You got the Thunder. You got the Knicks. They're going well. The Cavs beat the Clippers the other day, which nearly destroyed my multi. But uh, I didn't pick that game. But you, you got some some teams that have struggled lately that are putting up some good performances. So yeah, the trade window is going through. There's a big six, well, the big six trades that potentially could take place. And uh, yeah, we're looking for. Oh, I'm looking forward to chatting to him about Zion Williamson. Mm. He's been under so much pressure and there's been, you know, question marks over his commitment to the game, his body. He's had so many injuries. He's a big boy. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, is he committed to this New Orleans Pelicans? Big name. Know what he can do if he's if he's given an opportunity. But uh, probably just wasn't like, hasn't quite ticked the boxes like uh, Pelicans fans probably thought and wanted over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, well, I mean, he's still a young guy too, right? So mm. I wonder, you know, there's that that's that uh, that term of growing into the body and, and just knowing yep. how to manage it. Because that's the thing, you know, he's not built like a traditional basketball player. I mean, he's a big guy all around. Mm. I mean, you know, he's. I remember years ago uh, when Starter first came into New Zealand and we used to get all these, uh, I worked <laughs> at a sports shop and we used to get all the Starter gear and we used to get all these posters. And there was a guy... Larry Johnson, I think it was, he played yep. for the Charlotte Hornets, and he was one of the first really big 
big men. He wasn't just tall. He had massive shoulders and stuff. And that they had a door poster you could get, like which would cover an entire door. And it just had Larry Johnson and said, now now playing linebacker for the Charlotte Hornets because of just how big he was, you know, because that's what he looked. He could he could have played football. That's what he looked like. And mm. Zion Williamson is a similar sort of bloke. Yeah, the, the game sped up so much faster now. Like gone are the days of just going down there, throwing it on the post, and and you post up against some big men. You got to spread the court. You're seeing more threes than ever from the past, and the game's just so much quicker. And when you're carrying that much weight, you know it would have been interesting to see how Shaq, you know, the big Shaq mm. would have would have gone on today's game. Not don't get me wrong, he probably would have excelled, but it's it's a different game. Speed game and his most of his injuries are lower body injuries. Yeah. What does that say to me? You're probably carrying extra, extra weight. And when you're having a jump and being an explosive athlete like Zion, you're probably going to um, put your body in some difficult situations. So yeah, look, there's just been Christmas. He's had a lot of things going on off the court as well. So um, it'd be good to chat to him about that. Yeah, well, so Oli Casella with us before seven. After seven, it's a bit of a rugby hour. Your old mate Kenny Lynn out of the Highlanders is going to join us. Um, yeah. They've got they've got a big preseason game coming up this weekend. Yeah, taking on Moana Pacifica. Um, great to see Kendrick Lynn back in. I, I started my Super Rugby campaign with Kenny Lynn playing on the midfield. He's a good Southland man. Um, he's gone over. He speaks, uh, you know, excellent French. He's been at Lyon. He took them to his glory over in Lyon, and I know he's got uh, big expectations uh, on himself and, and, and that Highlanders outfit. So Kenny Lynn, be great to chat to him. they got a young squad, man. They've got an inexperienced squad. They've got some good signings in the off-season. That Tava Tava Nawai, very good on the outside. They um, you know, sniped them from the Wana Pacifica. Number 10 jersey, they got Reese Patchell from Wales that has made his move to to the south. Um, so, yeah, look, it's it's got... I can't... Look, I'm going to be brutally honest. I can't see them competing for a title because they have lost... A lot of experience at, at the hooker um, area as well. So George Bell, uh, oh no, not George Bell. I think it's uh, Angus Bell, maybe someone, someone, uh, one of the Bell brothers is starting at hooker, and he's pretty darn good as well. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to chatting to chat to Kenny Lynn. Kenny Lynn, yeah, and Caelan Boshier is going to join us as well mm. at, at, from the airport as the Chiefs get ready to shoot off to Japan for their pre-seasons. And then after 8 o'clock, Jeff Parks, a Kiwi journalist who lives in Melbourne. Uh, he's been there for quite some time, but uh, covers rugby in depth. And uh, boy, yeah, we've been talking about it since we got back. The Rebels going to the wall. It became official yesterday, officially in administration. Australian mm. rugby not guaranteeing their future past this season. Yeah, and I know we're going to talk about it right now, aren't we? We are, so let's crack into it. Round one, fight. The Rebels, not guaranteed to exist beyond this season. Izzy, if you were running one of the Aussie Super Rugby sides, Mm. who would your first recruit be for 2025 out of that Rebels squad? Well, you go through that squad, and there's a handful of names that, that really stand out. Uh, when you look at that squad, you got Jordan Luisi, who's uh, a fine hooker. You got Taniala Tupo, we know what the big Tongan four is able to do. You got Lukan Solakai Loto, who's a big bruising um, lock. 
Um, you go to Rob Leota, and then you head out into the back line. You've got Carter Gordon. You've got James Tuttle. You've got Matt Proctor, who they signed from the Northampton Saints in the off-season, and he signed a long-term deal. So you have to say he'll be absolutely livid for, for confirming that uh, with what's going on. Andrew Calloway, he is the big name in the back. Mm. So I think you probably look for the latter. You know, Matt Proctor is a very good player. He'll be a great fit for uh, an Australian side, but the only downside to that is he doesn't have any... Well, he cannot play for the international side because he's played for New Zealand Māoris. He's played um, age grade four for the international side here in New Zealand. So that will be you're blocking away for a potential young player coming through to go to higher honours. But I'd say you'd go for Carter Gordon. Mm. You have a crack at Carter Gordon. He is very, you know, he started at ten for the Wallabies at the World Cup. He's a young player. Um, you know, he got thrown into the deep end. Showed signs to be a quality guy, but. Um, you know, I think he'll probably get snapped up pretty quick. And then Andrew Callaway, you know, the small, the ginge. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the, golf, the golf guy, as Baz used to call him. Uh, yeah, the golf guy, Andrew Callaway. He's a very good player, man. He is tough as hell. Um, I've had some good battles against him. Uh, I'd have to say probably those two would be at the top of the list alongside Taniala Tupo. Where does Taniala go? He started at the Brisbane Reds. That's where he's made his name. Does he go back to where it all started and began? Or do the Waratahs, with the money at their disposal, throw a cash cow at him and snag Taniala Tupo? I think those will be the three that will be snapped up pretty quick. Mm. Yeah, all right. Round two. Cool. Uh, Now, Andy Murray uh, got a bit snippy with a journalist the other day. Uh, he's had a rubbish start to his season this season. Uh, he came down to Australia, played a warm-up tournament, and then played the Aussie Open. Managed two mm. matches, lost both, went first round in both. Uh, he's just lost uh, to an out-of-form ben, uh, Benoit Pierre as well in Marseille. Another first-round loss. Um, and this uh, journalist from BBC Scotland had said, has basically speculated whether or not he was risking tarnishing his legacy and he should just retire. Um, Andy Murray wasn't happy about that. Had a, had a, had a, had a crack <laughs> back. But do fans and journalists have a point about athletes tarnishing careers by carrying on too long? Do some guys just not know when to quit? Um, they have a they have a say, but I I, I feel you know Andy Murray's lost eight of his last nine games. He, he is struggling. He's struggling with his body. He's struggling with his mind. Stop smiling. I can see that message coming through. <laughs> <sighs> I know. I know. Okay. You just caught me off guard. Stop smiling, Ricardo. Sorry. Um, look, in all honesty, I think he's earned the right to retire when he wants to retire. He's won two Grand Slams. He's won two gold medals at the Olympics. He's amassed over $65 million in career earnings. You know, like, I mean, he, he doesn't. He can do what he wants, really. I know there's a lot of fans out there and, and journos that will want to have their say and, and have their opinion, but the reality is, if Andy Murray, Murray thinks like he's up to it, because he is struggling now, that no one's... The wrong people are going to remember him for now for what, or for better what he's done in the past. Like, Yeah, so for, for him, I, I think he has the right to, to earn his, his opportunity and finish on his own terms. And I guess when you've been competing at the highest level and you've been one of the biggest names in tennis, you deserve it. So, yeah, for Andy, I think he, he's come out and 
whatever their thing, his body is in tatters. Like, his body is gone through the ringer. He has struggled so much. He's had with the major hip problems where he's had to come back from major hip surgery. Um, so whether he's going to get to top level again, probably not. But if he wants to continue on and play in tennis and, and finish on his own terms, then I think he's earned that right. Round three. Yesterday in the Premier League, Arsenal... Mm. We're 2-0 up at Mount Nottingham Forest. They conceded a late goal and then were under the pump towards the end of the game. Uh, they held on for the win, though. Uh, but Ben White and Alexander Zinchenko were absolutely going after each other in the wake of giving up the goal. And afterwards, Mikel Arteta, the, the Arsenal coach, said he loved seeing it. He loved seeing how much they cared and that they were going after each other on the field. How good is it, do you think, and did you play with blokes who would spray <laughs> you for perceived mistakes? <laughs> Um, oh, there's a time and a place, you know, when your team's under the pump and under pressure and, and something continues to happen. I think there's a way that you approach them. If you're being really directed to certain players, they might tend to go into their shell. So it's a real understanding of knowing your, your players and the people around you. How do they re- react to pressure? You know, how do you approach them to get them out of that moment of staying on task? Um, so... Yeah, I think that's that's really important. But I played with a player that no matter the moment, no matter the situation, it's always your fault and he will spray you. And that is Ma'anunu. And I know you're probably not surprised <laughs> about that situation, but Ma'anunu was a prime example of you never stuffed up. But when you've got players that will hold you accountable, it makes you go harder. It makes you dig deeper than you've ever had to dig deeper before because you do not want to get a spray from Ma'anonu. Prime example, I've, I think I've spoken about it before, but we were playing England, and Ma'anonu, we had a move, we missed 13, and he hit me on a bounce. Well, Ma'a caught the ball through this horrible pass. It was, you know, it wasn't a perfect spiral pass. It was like a traditional ugly league pass that was floating constantly away from me when I was running onto it at high speed. So it was a terrible pass, and it goes right in front of me. I, lu- I lunge out, and I just touch it with my fingernails, and it gets knocked on and goes forward. And I'm thinking, oh, that was a horrible pass. Anyway, I look over at Ma'a, and he going, puts his hands up <laughs> in the air and says, catch it. And I'm like, catch it. And he just goes off at me, and I'm just sitting there copping it. But then I just told him, mate, that was a shit pass. <laughs> mate, sort, your, sort your passing out. But Ma'anonu would have to be the prime example of someone that would just spray you. Look, like I said before, there, there is a time and a place, but when you are just spraying it and there's no clear messaging to what you're spraying, like you need to have a message and a solution. Don't just go over and, and bang someone on the nostril and say you're useless and <laughs> you should be better. You know, we've got to find a solution because there's a reason why some things are happening out there and uh, that, that's, that's a sign of a great leader and a great athlete. There's the people that come in with solution-led conversation not just pin, uh, pinpointing. Yeah, right. Not just blaming someone else for their terrible yep. passing skills. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. 19 past six here on SENZ. Uh, Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast. And uh, Dagger. Yeah. It's that time of the week. Mm. Mm. You know it is. You know it is. Because we had a multi yesterday, mm. Ricardo. 
William's money came in. Money, 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 money. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> William's money at Talapa. And you pretty much didn't check out any of the form. You just liked the name because of your favourite movie. I loved it. I loved it. That, sometimes that works. Colours, the look of the horse. You never look at any form. You just go on your instinct, and that's what you did. Well, William's money came in. And I was thinking, yes, boy, we're on today. And then I spoke about Ascend to Throne. Mm-hmm. Which race yesterday? Opie Walker Bergeson stable, and um, wow, that had to dig deep and fought all the way to win by Bob, and that paid six dollars ninety. So there's fourteen bucks or thirteen dollars eighty if you want to be correct mm. on our multi. And who comes on? The one and only Mark Clayton Clayton. from the Good Oil. The legend. So we, we've given our tips, and let's be honest. We can't tip tip top. Well, we're that bad. <laughs> and Mark Clayton comes on and talks us into poetic justice. Nabba. Very good horse, apparently. Well, all Winklings are saying Dagger's multi's going to get paid. All I need is poetic justice for a top four. Poetic justice gets into prime position, gets to the straight. He starts whipping it, starts gaining a little bit, and I'm thinking, yes, we're going to get paid here, Dagger. We're going to get paid here, Dagger. And then it just stops on a dime and comes like seventh. And I'm thinking, this is Mark Clayton, the one and only Mark Clayton. That, sh- that knows, love racing. And so he ruined my multi. So there we go. I donated again. There was a donation today, uh, yesterday. So today it is Dagger's donation. Your chance to be with Ricardo and myself. And please, if you're coming with myself, make sure it's a certainty, please, because we need to get paid. I'm I'm getting I'm I'm getting livid here. I'm hurt. <laughs> this is getting hard and I'm very desperate. So Dagger's donation today, fifty dollar bonus bet. Send through your options. If you'd like to be a part of our donation options, we'll pick a couple. Shall we make it a certain certainty and we'll just go two legger? Two legger. One each. Two legger? Okay, one each. So send one through send through one of your options. We'll go through. Have a look. The one that stands out, I will pick it. And you'll be a part of Dagger's donation. Oh, it was a tough afternoon. <laughs> it was a tough afternoon. I couldn't believe it when you sent me the, the Did you the, pick the, it? Did you back it? No, I didn't back it at all. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like, you, between you and Clado, we're talking about the third option. I was like, oh, fine, that's an option. Race five. Oh, look at that. Barrier one draw for the third last time, paying two eighty or whatever it was for a place, two forty for a place. That'll do. We'll just chuck that in there, mate. And what's better? It's named after Clint Eastwood's character in The Unforgiven, William Money. <laughs> ah, too easy. Too easy. It all just came oh. together for me. It came together, mate, and you got money. Oh, well. Well done. Well yeah. done. Well, yeah. It wasn't meant to be. So, yeah, that was my bonus bet. You know my bonus bet. My bonus bet's gone. They're gone. Ooh, all gone. All right. Mm. Well, we, we'll we'll have to get you paid. If you want to get Dagger mm. paid, you want to get yourself paid. Double eight, double three. Your bet of the day. We want to hear from you on the Team Prepared Post text machine. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. It's 6.28. You can call us anytime, 0800-150-811 and give us a text on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temperate Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And double eight double three has been hammered for Dagger's donation already, is he? It is. And look, we cannot shy past the 
message to come through at 13 past 6. Yes, my hair isn't red, but it will be red. I'm a man of my word, and I'll do it, Robbie, I promise you. Um, yeah, I'll go get some red dye and get it in there and get it sorted for you. So I uh, appreciate that message coming through and reminding the entire radio station that I need to dye my hair red. Anyway, there's a couple coming through. Morena Ricardo, Liverpool, Tottenham, Barcelona to win head-to-head. Can you put a stopper on that? That is from Ed. Mm. What do you reckon? Well, Liverpool are playing Chelsea at Anfield this mm. morning. They should probably win that. Tottenham are playing Brentford this morning. They should probably win that. I'll have to look to see who Barcelona are playing, uh, mm. who are paying, uh, but they are not going well at the moment. They just lost their last game 5-3 and are now mm. 10 points off the lead of, the, uh, of La Liga. So maybe a well, question mark on that, that one part of it, Ed. But, yeah, you're not bad, not bad. That's your stopper there. That's your stopper there, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, boys. My bet for the donation is France 12 and under in the Six Nations. Uh, so France 12 and under. Who are they playing? Ireland. Ireland. And that is paying 275. Which wow. is well, sorry, 270. So that's actually pretty good money. It's the it's the favorite option in the winning team and margin. Okay. And it's in okay. France that game. Mm. Mm. A, a French team without Antoine Dupont. Uh, yeah, France 12 and under. It's a good bet. That it's could be bet. good. Yeah, I mean, a, a, French, a French team without Dupont versus an Irish team without Sexton. So, I mean. Yeah, pretty even, isn't it? It is. Pretty easily poised there. Uh, Chelsea to get the draw at Liverpool, $4.33. Liverpool don't have Salah, and Chelsea are improving. That is DJ Tim, and here's one more. The bloody poetic ticker. I don't have OPB pops tipped. Moss and Invader had it at top four and four dollars into poetic rubbish top four. I have to look for something, boys. That is from Brett. Yeah, I feel your pain, Brady. I feel your pain. Poetic nothing. Oh, yeah, those rhymes do not rhyme. Uh, we've also had uh, Aidan McLaughlin sent one through. Uh, he's uh, a pretty popular game today, actually. Liverpool Chelsea kicks off at nine fifteen. Each team to have one or more cards in each half at four dollars fifty. Ooh. What do you reckon? I don't mind it. The only thing that I, the only little question mark I have is, is at Anfield, and generally referees, uh, they don't tend to give much against Liverpool at Anfield. <laughs> so whether or not they'll give a first half yellow card is the only thing I'm, I'm thinking. But yeah, it's good money at four fifty, and and it will be spicy. And Chelsea, as somebody else has said, are definitely or oh, DJ Tim, they're definitely on the improve. Mm. Okay, it's a fair shout. But you're relying on referees' decisions to get get us paid. Oh man, I couldn't think of anything, anything worse. But just a couple of before we get off there, Rick. Uh, meet seven, race one, number five, New Barn, fresh up from uh, an unknown Texas. So send your name, please, if you send through a message. And Maureen Labs, my pick for Dagger's donation. First test, NZ South Africa runs in the first over to be over one point five. At a dollar eighty six, money for jam, lads. Mm. That is from Mark and Tuttle. Like two runs in the first over. Imagine that if you have that beer, and he is just leaving everything. <laughs> he is just blocking everything. I can see it happening, Mark from Tauranga. <laughs> what I could see is uh, as an edge through the slip cordon for four, and away you go. Mm. There you go okay. along the ground. That's I don't mind that. Bad. Don't mind that from Mark. Uh, keep coming through. Double eight, double three is the temp of bedpost text machine for daggers donation. Let's catch up with Araha now for news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range.
It is 26 away from 7 on SENZ. Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast and it is back to work time at Bunnings Trade and we've got sports headlines for you. Formula One has formally rejected Andretti and Cadillac's joint bid to enter the championship in either 2025 or 2026 but has left the door open for the team to enter in 2028. Andretti and Cadillac, a General Motors brand, had formed a technical partnership to join F1 as an 11th team. The bid was approved from a technical perspective by the governing body last year. The bid would likely have to have uh, relied on a, a Renault engine deal in the short term, although General Motors has registered to join F1 as an engine manufacturer from 2028 onward. I reckon the more the merrier, Is he Mix it up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Get, get some more competition in, in, that, uh, in that competition. And I think it would be Andretti. It's a huge name mm. and a huge following from uh, IndyCars. May he'll he'll. I think it'll be a good thing for Formula One when you're garnishing garnering uh, different fans from from America. Like America's biggest market, currently no American drivers in, in the Formula One. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know that's a, a great market ploy for the Formula One. Definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, if you're Andretti, Andretti Motorsport mm. is massive. Like you said, they they they've always sort of been there or thereabouts in uh, IndyCar, and you could create that pathway, couldn't you? To F1, mm. you, you bring yeah. your drivers through. Oh, Definitely. Uh, the PGA Tour has reached a deal with Strategic Sports mm. Group, a consortium of billionaire sports team owners, to infuse up to $3 billion in a new for-profit entity, PGA Tour Enterprises. It was officially launched yesterday. Under the terms of the deal, Strategic Sports Group, which has been led by Fenway Sports Group, they own uh, the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool, uh, would make an initial investment investment of $1.5 billion, with the possibility of another $1.5 billion coming later and the PGA Tour will run the uh, for-profit company too has said in a release uh, that the deal allows for co-investment from Saudi Arabia's public investment fund as well subject to all necessary regulatory approvals and the PGA said nearly 200 of its members would have access to a first-of-its-kind program that would allow them to become equity holders in PGA Tour enterprises. Well, they're doing everything possible to stop them from succumbing to the PIF of Saudi farms <laughs> power and rule. And uh, yeah, I love the the look at because we've just had another player sign for the for the LIV, and that's Terrell Haddon um, over in the UK. He's just signed on, so they're slowly poaching and getting access to a lot of the top-line players in the PGA. So uh, $1.5 billion in equity opportunities the players will have access to, which is me, where the, the shining light comes from. You know, these players are talking about money. You know what money's on offer in the, in the LOV. Well, they're going to have an opportunity to um, make some good cash playing under the PGA umbrella. So, uh, wow, it's been flying quietly mm. under the radar for a wee while now. So this will be huge news for golf. See what it, see what it does to the PGA Tour. Yeah, 100%. And, and what happens with Liv? Because, I mean, I think we yeah. all thought that Liv was dead once Piff got involved with the PGA. But it's well, carried Liv, on. Well, Liv is flying. But the reality is I haven't watched any LIV golf. I haven't seen any of it. Like, that's the struggle at the moment is... On our TVs, particularly in New Zealand, there's a golf channel that plays predominantly LPGA and PGA Tour events. And I know it's probably easy to go and watch 
um, LIV, but it's the same as saying as Spark Sport. When Spark Sport was here, you had to download the app, you'd sign in and go watch it. It's just a process. Not a hard process, but it is a more process than just flicking on TV and changing channel. So that that is the struggle at the moment with the LIV, but not that they care because they've got never-ending funds that will allow that. But at the moment, um, you just see more PGA. You just see more of those golfers playing under. I wonder how much money they're losing. They must have been losing a heap of money. They'll be losing plenty, mate. Mm. But it's it's a it's a well, an oil well that is full of oil. Yeah, and they got no problems. Uh, former England Test player Brad Shields is the newly appointed Hurricanes captain, taking over leadership duties from Adi Savia after returning to the Canes following a six-year stint overseas. Shields, who was pictured in a moon boot two weeks ago, is confident he'll be ready to lead the team out in their Super Rugby Pacific opener against the Western Force on February 24. He said, fingers crossed we should be good. I just had a wee mm. tweak in my foot. The grounds these days are pretty hard, so I just need to look after my feet a little better, I think. <laughs> oh, mate, that was an easy decision in the end. That was a that was an easy decision for um, Brad Shields to take over. He's played a, I think he's played over a hundred games for the Hurricanes, so he's a very experienced player. And the co-captains are Suffolk Moore and Geordie Barrett. So Geordie Barrett's been given a bit of a leadership role, which should be great for him. And uh, we'll see how that unfolds. But the Hurricanes. Brad Shields, you know, they lose so much power in that loose four trio. When I say power, Artie Savia, he is that loose four trio. So it's a big year for that loose forward. Um, Dupasi Karifi, uh, in fact, will have, have to have a huge year. He's been touted as the next thing, potentially for higher honours. Well, this is his year to show his cards. Yeah, we'll have to see how that rolls out. Bunnings Trade, they can help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. It is 20 away from 7. When we come back, we're talking NBA. It is quarter away from 7 o'clock here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. Double eight, double three, the text line. Joining us now out of uh, NOLA, New Orleans, Louisiana, Ole Cassell, uh, basketball writer out of the US. Uh, a week out from the trade deadline, Ole, good morning to you. Uh, how busy are, are things going to get between now and uh, a week's time? Good morning, guys. And yes, this is the ramp-up time, right, where teams are talking they want to shore up their holes and get ready for that stretch run for the playoffs. So like any other season, yeah, there's a lot. This is the most activity you'll see outside of, of course, during the summer. There's a, there's a lot of teams who need a few things. You know, it's it's one of those times where I guess the only teams that really might not look to do too much are the teams sitting pretty right at the top. There'll be guys, uh, teams pushing for top four, teams pushing for the playing tournament, teams pushing for the for the top eight. Who do you think is going to be most active? I think without a doubt, Philadelphia 76ers should be at the top of most lists. Look, it's obvious that Joel Embiid's having another MVP type of season, and we just saw him put up 70 points uh, this past week. But they still have to shore up that lineup to where they get him some help, basically. And if you look at their stands, I think they're fifth currently in the East. Everybody feels like they're in that glut, right, with the Knicks, the Cavaliers, and they want to catch, you would think, the Bucks, right? So they want to have a chance to get to the top two. And rumor has it that they've looked at Zach Levine, basically anybody that's been available. So I expected them to make a move. Los Angeles Lakers, they're seemingly always on this list every year, right? And, and they do need the help, right? They're down towards the bottom, uh, barely holding on and making the play-in tournament, right? One game, sitting one game under 500. So LeBron James, he's having a heck of a season, right? Age 39, we've never seen anything like this. I think he's having his best season probably in a couple of years. Same goes for Anthony Davis. 
So those two guys, for once, are not the problem, right? They've been there. They're playing games that the Lakers aren't good enough. So without a doubt, they need to add as much help as really anybody. Then, of course, you got to look at maybe Denver. They may feel they need another piece. Sacramento Kings, they need to get better defensively, right? They need, that needs to set them apart. Phoenix Suns need more depth. You've got Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. But after that, maybe Grayson Allen, but you need more pieces than just four guys. So th- there's going to be a slew of teams. Mate, just, just on the ramping up, like how impressive have you been with uh, the New York Knicks? It's been a long time since the NMSG has been um, you know, full of energy and been a happy fan base, but they are 14-2 record ahead of 13, uh, Thursday's home record versus the Pacers. Will the Knicks continue to fortify their depth with another trade or stand pat and keep a good thing going? Oh, they've been impressive, right? I mean, best record in, in the month of January. And that OG and the newbie trade, boy, that's been a heck of a, mm. a steal for them, right? Improved them overnight. So, where yet you sent a fan favorite, RJ Barrett, um, Emmanuel Quickly up to Toronto. But you get a guy that really fits what they're trying to do, right? And everybody knows Tom Thibodeau, he preaches defense, and then he dreams about defense, too. I should have got each week and talked about defense all the time in the Knicks. That's who they want to exemplify in the court. So when you've got two good scores, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, yeah, you want to just get those good role players that play tough and hard. So I know that I've heard that they're still maybe looking for maybe more center help, right? Mitchell Robinson is out for them, so they probably want to add a little bit more in, in that front court with size because they love to dominate the, the glass, right, rebounding. So that's been a little bit of an issue of late. But yeah, I, I think that they're pretty well set. There's been rumors that have been connected to a few players. Bruce Brown, Malcolm Brogan, you got Alec Burks, and there's a player from Utah, Jordan Clarkson, who is a hot topic. Do you feel like they would be players that could add to this? Yeah, without a doubt. Look, Jordan, it'll be interesting, first of all, to see what Utah decides to do, right? Because they're playing a lot better, they're a lot better than most people thought. And they're right there in the playing tournament, right there with the Los Angeles Lakers. So, Danny Ainge last year didn't have an issue on splitting up a team that got off to another good start by sending out Mike Conley and a few other guys. So, yeah, the expectation is Jordan Clark. Clarkson's probably going to find a new home and maybe several others. If anybody wants Jason Collins, um, good name, Malcolm Brogdon with Portland. But I, what I'm hearing from Portland is they really like what he's bringing in terms of that veteran leadership because they're an awfully young team. And we know they're not winning. But when you've got a kind of groom a guy like Scoot Henderson, who was the number two, uh, excuse me, number three pick in the last draft, a bunch of other young guys that just really need to learn all the ins and outs of the game. Having a guy like Brogdon is actually a good thing for your team. So unless they get blown away with an offer for him, I think they'll hang on to him. I think one team you've got to watch and mention probably is Atlanta. Right? They have not met expectations. That backcourt of Trey uh, Young and DeJounte Murray has not worked. So I fully expect the Murray name's been in the room now, and he might be the best player that's available. So I think that's the one to watch. Lance got several other entertaining pieces, but you're right. Just look at all the bad teams, like the Pistons with Burks. You got the Wizards. Kuzma suddenly getting becoming a hot name too. So yeah, look at the bad teams. Maybe teams will try and flip their, one of their better players because they can get value back and just add more drafts to build for the future. Question for you, Ollie: Is the Golden State Warriors currently are uh, four places or four and a half games, I should say, out of the top eight? At what point does Steve Kerr and that organization pull the trigger and start rebuilding that team? 
I don't think it would happen until the earliest would be this off season, right? So in the summer, I think they're going to give them the rest of this season, which is about what close to half of the season, 35 games or something in that neighborhood to maybe get right. As you saw a couple of years ago, they really weren't a very good regular season team when they ended up winning it all. So the hope for them is catch magic, catch that same magic where Clay Thompson finds his groove. Draymond Green has missed like time in and out of lineup due to his uh, suspensions, getting a little bit carried away in games. But Steph's still playing at a high level, right? And Kaminga's really blooming, I think, in front of our eyes. So they feel like they've got the talent. They just had a big win over the Sixers. But you're right. They've largely been a disappointment. And I don't think they have true championship expectations. But for right now, if you're not going to move off of Steph Curry, I mean, I don't know how you can move almost any of the other guys because Clay Thompson's not really valued right now because he's had having a down year, same as Wiggins. So it sounds like to me, from what I'm hearing, their best bet is just that same pat. See, like I said, if they can rekindle some magic and make a good run get in the playoffs that way. Zion Williamson, mate, he's the biggest name in, in the Pelicans at the moment. Where's he at at the moment? Is his body fit? Can you see him getting back to all-star contention? Yeah, we've been talking to him all season, of course, right? And, and he mm. missed some games, wasn't playing him back-to-back, had a couple of duds on national TV where people obviously then pointed to his weight and conditioning. And he, mm. admittedly, didn't enter the season at 100%. So right now, he just told us this past week, he's at about 88, 89, 90. I'm not sure how he gauged that value. But either way, <laughs> he hasn't been the same like we saw last season, right? Right before he got hurt, pulled that hamstring, Pelicans were one of the best teams in the West, and he was playing at, at a true MVP level. We really haven't seen but just glimpses of that this year, but it is improving. And I think he's moving more in the court, right, where he's having greater stamina, uh, being able to do more in the court. You've seen it more on the defensive end. I swear, just a month or so ago, you didn't see as much energy from him. And I think it was simply because he's just not in the best shape or close to it yet, but he's getting there. Good stuff, Ollie. Thanks very much for coming on today, brother. Enjoy uh, the next week. It's sure going to be busy for you uh, yeah. as as somebody who, uh, who covers the NBA a lot, mate. Go well and uh, enjoy your weekend, eh? Absolutely, guys. You do the same too. Yes, uh, Ollie Cassell there. You can follow him on Twitter and uh, check out all his writing. It's O-L-E-H, Cassell, K-O-S-E-L. This is Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. We'll be back after this. It's a minute away from 7 o'clock, double eight, double three. Plenty of texts coming through. We talked uh, F1 earlier, Izzy, mm. and uh, Paddy sent a text through saying, Logan Sargent is an American driver, Izzy. The issue is the biggest stars in F1 aren't American. Yeah, so it's a, a perfect marketing ploy for the F1 to get into the biggest market in the world when you get an American um, team in amongst that, uh, that competition. I think it'll be great. I think it'd be great, and you potentially might see some good American drivers that are driving in other competitions, being a part of the Formula One. Yeah, it made me think, though. IndyCar, mm. two Kiwis at the top, Will Powers and Aussie, Pato Ward's Mexican. Their best drivers yeah. in IndyCar aren't American either. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, all right, coming up in the next hour, we're going to be talking a lot of rugby, including getting to know Kenny Lynn, the assistant coach of the Highlanders right now, though. Here's Araha with the latest in news for Kubota. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. It is your Thursday morning and coming up on the show this hour, Kenny Lynn, assistant coach of the Highlanders, is going to join us shortly. We'll talk about their pre-season and how he's settling back into New Zealand. Caelan Boshier as well, the uh, vice-captain of the Chiefs, 
Going to join us later in the hour uh, from the airport as they get ready to head off to Japan for their pre-season. After eight, Jeff Parks, Kiwi journalist and author living in Melbourne, big rugby guy. Uh, he spent mm. a bit of time at the Melbourne Rebels yesterday. He was in the offices talking to people. He's right across the situation. Melbourne Rebels officially in administration. Australian rugby have no, have said that they cannot guarantee anything beyond the current season. And we'll get his take on that and where Australian Rugby and the Rebels are at, and Alanto Sullivan as well for Love Racing before 9 o'clock. We'll get his take on uh, the Karaka Millions, the Karaka Sales, and see uh, where the, all the good horse flesh is going. It is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local Night and Day. I believe Kenny Lynn is on the phone with us now. Good morning, Kenny. How you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. That's a story, mate. That's a story. Uh, welcome home. I understand you've been uh, been away for a while. How are you settling uh, back into the uh, the, uh, oh, the metropolis that is Dunedin? <laughs> well, I've even settled into the metropolis that is Mosgiel outside Dunedin. <laughs> um, <laughs> bit of a change from Leon, where we were for yeah, I was there for ten years with the family. But um, no, nah, it's been nice, mate. Everything we're hoping to get. Um, New Zealand way of life, especially for the children we've been getting in spades, so it's been a, it's been a good change. Kenny, mate, great to hear your voice, my old son. Started my career at the beautiful Highlanders uh, with the one and only Kendrick Lynn. I used to borrow his uh, Subaru Forester on a daily when he <laughs> uh, allowed me to. Hey, mate, how you doing? And just like you said, I thought you'd be in St. Clair, not Mosgiel. Yeah, interesting one. Um, we were thinking of going back to St. Clair. We did have a house there. We were together there, Izzy, um, going, to, going to training in the Forester. But oh, apparently it's a couple of degrees warmer out in Mosgiel. So, um, yeah, we'll take that when you're down there. To take every degree you can. It's certainly been like that in the afternoon. Lovely sun sitting there and nice schooling, bit of a community feel. Um, yeah, so it's been good. Hey, tell us about your experience uh, coaching over in Lyon. I know you had a bit of success over there. You allowed a couple of past Highlanders to come and play for you. You had Lima Sapwanga. Um, you got uh, you had Leon Coltman there as well. So, mate, how was, how was that experience? And was this always on the cards to come home and, and coach back in New Zealand? Yeah, France was amazing. Um, I originally went there for six months and yeah, ended up staying 10 years. It was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an it's an interesting place, mate. The people are people are amazing. There's lots of things to do. The competition over there is getting better and better. Um, so I was grateful to have an experience. I did all my coaching certificates and everything in the French system. So I guess what that's given me is a little bit of a different kind of mindset um, to your traditional Kiwi way. It's a more French way of looking at things. So that was a really cool part of it. And Leon's an amazing city. Awesome restaurants. I don't know if you pass through there, is he on your on your roadie, but um, great place to live. And, yeah, we had a good crew at the club of, of foreigners. Um, Fletcher Smith as well, who passed through the Highlanders. Mm. Um, we have got Jordan Talfour was there at the end as well. So it was, um, oh, it was special times. Loved the experience. But, yeah, 10 years was an awesome time. And for me, it was, I really did really want to coach back in Super Rugby at some stage just to round myself out as a coach, really. I've had the Northern Hemisphere. Wanted to get, get uh, a bit of a taste of the Southern Hemisphere and, um, get the family home for a little bit as well to get these get these Kiwi summers in. Kenny, we've seen Tony Brown link up with the Springboks. Joe Schmitz, obviously, with the Wallabies. We export a lot of our rugby IP overseas. Uh, so good to have you back from the French system. What what do you think you bring? What do the French do differently that you can bring into the New Zealand system that we don't do? 
Oh, they yell a lot more. <laughs> 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 um, they've got a slightly different way of looking at the game. I think I only really got that as well once I learnt the language properly and I could understand the mindset and the thinking behind things. But mm. I would say they're a little bit more freer in how they uh, look at it. Um, us as Kiwis, we can get a little bit caught up in whether that might be described as detail um, or structures, where the French kind of rely a little bit more on momentum and principles and just allowing the players to kind of play us within a box and you can do what you like within that box, um, just go for it. So they're a little bit, um, I guess you could describe looser in a sense. Um, but in the, you know, in saying that, the, the French do have a cool way of looking at the game. But what I've got from coming back here already is there's the way the Kiwi teams operate is is still really at the pointy edge of of rugby. Um, so I'm hoping to to help be a part of something down here to to bring the Highlanders back up. Mate, you love a challenge, and it's going to be a, a huge challenge getting the Highlanders back to being competitive. You've lost so much experience. You've got a young, youthful squad that has come through, and you're going to have your first crack this weekend against Moana Pacifica. Um, what, what is the biggest challenge for you this year from a coaching point of view and, and the identity of this Highlanders squad and where you want to be come, say, five, six months' time? Yeah, we'll start with that. As he, you know, as you know, the best thing is to get the identity right, get the values right, how we want to be as people. We're all about inspiring the region and the people of the South. So we've certainly spent a lot of our pre-season um, working with the players, allowing the players to come up with the kind of the people they want to be. And so we're driving that really hard, and I've been outstanding with that. We're in the beautiful Alexandra as we speak and getting around Central Otago, getting around the, the schools and... So the guys have been showing those values. I think the biggest challenge is, as you say, we are a young group and a lot of them haven't played together. So it's about trying to build a bit of a collective understanding of how we want to play because we're going to change a little bit in how we play as well. So it's going to be a new playing style, new players, young guys who haven't had a lot of exposure at Super Rugby. So it'll be just trying to get that cohesion as quickly as possible and, and getting them used to what we're trying to achieve. But um, off field, that's the most important thing, and so far we're seeing some really good things from the guys. You, you talk about the uh, how young that squad is. What about leadership, mate? Who are those guys that are key for you, and and maybe some guys that we don't necessarily think about that you've seen put your hand up and uh, put their hand up in preseason as as leaders, whether or not they've got an armband or or, or just within the squad. Yeah, Billy Harmon is the real leader of the team. Um, He's been great um, in helping integrate the young guys and helping them on and off the field. There's uh, Sean Withy, Sam Gilbert, um, a, a Ethan DeGroote, who's actually been around the, the group a lot. He didn't need to be, but he spent a lot of time training with us, which has been, which has been awesome. Um, Jacob uh, Raitamaitavuki Nitkins, who's come down, has been outstanding and shown some real leadership quality. So... We'll be tapping into that as well. We think it's pretty good to have some new younger guys as well representing us in the in the leadership group. So um, yeah, that's been really good to see. Mate, you've got uh, you've lost a, a fair bit of depth at the ten position, but you've acquired some pretty talented players, particularly with Reese Patchell 
coming over from the Welsh uh, setup. You got Reese Patchell, you got Cameron Miller. Where are they at with their game, mate? How how impressed have you been by Reese Patchell with his inclusion in the squad? Yeah, Patch has actually been really good this year because Northern Hemisphere ten probably would be thinking all he wants to do is boot it, and he does like a. Uh, he does like um, the tactical kicking game, but um, he's been great because he's got a really attacking mindset. He's been super open to learning new ways how we train, and he's not, not scared as well to speak up and, and drive the team um, in trainings and during the week as a team. So, you know, he's been, he's been really good. Probably his biggest issue is getting hold of enough sunscreen. Um, because <laughs> he, <laughs> as soon as the sun comes out, He's actually got this thing on his watch and it tells him the amount of UV that's showing in the day. It's amazing. <laughs> and so he's checking this. And yeah, we went for a swim in, in, uh, at the lake in Wanaka and he, he had his full, um, full kit on, basically. I said, come on, mate, you've got to give yourself a chance there to get some of the get some of the rays. But um, apart from that, it'll be good. I think with Patch and with the guys from the Northern Hemisphere, the biggest difference is the speed of play. Um, and that'll be a good chance for him to get used to that on Friday night against Moana because... One of the things when I was actually coming back from France, I was thinking, well, how, what are the differences? And I've, I've noticed that the actual average ruck speed of Northern Hemisphere to Southern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere, it's a second faster on average, which is huge when you're talking about two to three second rucks or three to four seconds to two to three. So as a 10, that's going to be a little bit different for him. Um, and so it'll be good to see how he, how he adapts to that. Yeah, well, you know, Reese Patchell has previously played for the Scarlets. It sounds like he's getting his Scarlet on down here too, mate. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's good. Hey, now, this weekend, uh, you play at the Queenstown Events Centre. Um, it's tomorrow. Uh, and you're taking on Moana Pacifica. I see Moana have just uh, Tana's come out, and they've named uh, four different captains. So they're going to basically run four different teams because it's, it's, it's all 20 minutes, right? It's 20-minute quarters you're playing, uh, which is interesting. How, how are you guys approaching it? No, we're not actually approaching it that way. Um, I can completely understand that's what they're doing. It. We're trying to, like I was saying, um, give guys who haven't been exposed to this level a decent shot um, at it. So they'll be playing more minutes. We won't be changing. We will be playing a fair few players, around 30. Mm. But um, it'll be a little bit, little bit. Late. We won't be going twenty minute, twenty minute, twenty minute. We'll be giving guys some decent minutes to try and give them a chance to to show us what they're capable of doing, get a feel for what the pace is like, and and um, yeah, to to really give them a good chance to to put their best foot forward for the season. Well, it's going to be awesome to see. If you look at your depth um, in terms of positions, the the outside backs is probably where it's hotly contested. You got Jonah Lowe, you got Josh Fanga uh, playing this weekend, but you also go got Timothy Tavatavanawai, Timothy, sorry, Tavatavanawai. How's he fitted in transition back into the into the Highlanders, mate? Is uh, I saw a little clip on Ethan De Groot's um, Instagram yesterday. He was running around in bare feet, those Fijian feet, mate. Has he been impressive? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he has been. I mean, um, he's a great guy. We we call him Jimmy the Difference. It's a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> and he really is like that on the on the field. Um, well, he's actually been really interesting because he's a really, really big communicator. He's a bit of a leader in the back line. He helps the guys out. He offers a lot of advice. Um, he helps us as coaches guiding the guiding the younger guys. So he's been special. And yeah, it's, it's really cool to have that kind of competition in the, in the back line. And Josh Fang is a a good local high potential um, outside back. Um, got a bit of X factor about him. So it'll be nice to give him a crack um, 
early on. And yeah, that, that kind of competition, it, it means that our training's interesting. We try and have as much competition and games going on to to, to get the blood going for the boys and they've all been, they've all been really good. So um, it'll be nice to see them actually get a shot against other people because they've been, they've been ripping in against each other for a few weeks now. Um, yeah, so it's going to be really good to see Friday night. Traditionally, the, the Landers have been a team that tries to play quick. They probably lacked in, in, in size, particularly in the, in the Fords, and that's always been their identity, particularly when Jamie Joseph had successful season that he had in 2015 when they won the title. They played quick. They were, um, you know, no disrespect, but a bunch of battlers that went hard. Is that a similar mindset and identity you're wanting to play this year, a very expansive, quick and open game? Yeah, I think we'd, we we want to put a bit of speed on the ball. Um, basically, we want to play a game that the people the people want to see. That's going to inspire our people, and at times that will look like that. Um, also, just want to be that team that just doesn't go away. That's in the fight, um, gives ourselves a chance every game, and yeah, I mean speed of ruck, like I was talking about before, is pretty important to getting momentum and staying on top of teams and. <clears throat> We just got to find ways to use, like we're talking about. We've got some really good outside backs, and yeah, it's no point having them if they're sitting out um, on the wing, getting getting the chills in Forsyth Bar. So <laughs> basically, our game is is about trying to get the ball in their hands as much as possible, so they can be a be a real factor for us. Now, I mentioned you got, you, you play Moana tomorrow, um, and they're also your opponents for the first game of Super Rugby. So. How much? How much? Do, how do you approach it? I mean, from a tactical point of view, how much can you give away in this game? Are you, are you keeping things up your sleeve? Um, yes and no. I mean, even when you know how teams are going to play, you still got to work out of stuff. But we'll be. It's a, it's a more about trying to get our game we've been working on, which, like I said, has had a few changes. Give them a chance to put it in place against a team who's getting off the line and trying to get double shoulders on you. Um, it is a, it's a bit of a balance between that. Um, it'll be probably a stripped-down version of what we're going to be doing in season. But we need to give the guys a chance to actually try things we want to be doing in the season so then we can review against it and fix things early rather than waiting in season and giving it a go and it being a little bit late. Um, so it'll be a bit of a mix of both, Carter. Kenny, where's Cam Miller at, at the moment? Um, I, I talked about him a, about a year ago, maybe even longer, about this kid that bursted on the scene playing for um, the Highlanders age group team at the under-19s, kicked the winning goal against the Crusaders. Very talented bloke. He's been riddled with injuries. Are we going to see more of Cam Miller in that 10 jersey this year? Yeah, yeah, I certainly hope so. If he can stay injury-free, we will be. He's, yeah, he came back from quite a nasty ankle injury last year, but he's had... Probably three quarters of the preseason he's got under his belt, and nice. he's getting better and better. He's absolutely loving working with Patch. Um, they spend a lot of time together. He loves footy. He loves learning, and he's a yeah. They're spending a lot of time on the field afterwards, kicking and and reviewing. And there's also AJ Faliafunga as well, who's another young uh, young ten coming through. So the three of them are working together well. Cam, yeah, like it's basically the same. Like you're saying, if he can be physically fit. Um, mm. Then, then he's going to be able to get lots of chances, and he's he's getting a good, yeah, good apprenticeship, I guess, through through Patch this preseason. 
One bloke we didn't see enough of last year due to injuries is Putty Putty Parkinson, and he can be a guy that can really be a difference maker for you guys at set piece. How <laughs> fit is he? Are you hoping he's going to be on the paddock most of the season? We hope so. So same, same. He he's missed a, a lot of preseason, but he's just coming back now. So he's going to get a good chance to get some minutes on Friday. Big Putty, yeah, he's a uh, yeah, big human being, um, <laughs> powerful, <laughs> yeah, incredible. Um, when we see him and, and Fabian Holland there, yeah, one of our other locks, um, tall timber, and Putty's a yeah, mate. He, once he gets going, he he can do some good things for us. Not only set piece, but but carrying and and moving bodies and rucks. So. He's back. He's had a shorter preseason than the others, but he's keen as. Um, and so that's an example of a guy we'll, we'll, we'll try and use use Friday to get a lot of minutes in and and, and get some game fitness into him, um, and hopefully get the ball in his hands as well to free those arms. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what you want to see, mate. A big fan of of Big Putty, uh, and hopefully we get to see some more of him. Uh, Kenny, thanks very much for coming on today, mate. Cheers, Kenny, brother. Uh, good luck for tomorrow, and good luck for the season to come. Hopefully, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Cheers, Izzy. Cheers, Cheers fella. There you go. Uh, yeah, Kenny Lynn uh, talking uh, Highlanders as part of the... He's a uh, good man. Yeah, real good man. Great man. Great yarn. Mm. Great yarn. And it'd be interesting, as he's like I said, you know, just that, what he talked about, about the French mindset, about how they play their footy and how they coach slightly differently, a bit more freedom for the players. Yeah. He would know well and truly how it all goes on over there. He's had some success at Lyon. Um they are very emotional and, you know, they love physicality over in, in French rugby. But it was interesting, that stat, about a second quicker mm. at the ruck down here in the southern hemisphere. So that'll be a, a big difference for Reese Patchell, knowing that the ball is going to come out quicker and there's going to be potentially more ball in play. Um, but, mate, it's a great acquirement. Um, acquire, ac- acquirement? No, you got it right. You got yeah, it right. yeah, acquirement. From the Highlanders, yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, Kendrick Lynn, a very quality player back in his day, he's done his coaching time over there and bringing a bit of difference to the Highlanders and their identity. They're out in the community, they're connecting to the fans, and they're a team that has struggled. That their biggest downside is being in Dunedin. They struggle to acquire top talent to go down and, and move south and be in the South Island. Well, um, Jacob Ratavive to um. But to my Nepkins is a very good player, and he hadn't had a, he had limited opportunities at the Blues. He's going to get a ton this year, so expecting a big season from him. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how the Highlanders go. Actually, and it all starts this Friday in Queenstown. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and Lion Pride attachments. It is seven twenty three. 727, you can get hold of us on 0800 150 811 or double eight double three the Temper Bedpost text line. It is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Warm up this morning with a hell of a coffee starting at $4.50 at your local Night and Day. And as he, uh, we're gearing up for Super Rugby season and yesterday mm. the Chiefs had their captain announcement. Luke Jacobson was named as skipper for the Chiefs. This is what he had to say on what it means for him. No, huge privilege, eh? Um to the boys this morning but a team I've always loved and uh, had a lot of respect for also um, captains that have led me as well so um, yeah it, it fills me with a lot of pride to um, be named captain but um, at the same time I'm still just just a rugby player and came to get out there and play some footy. <laughs> now the Chiefs have 
previously as he had co-captains. They've gone away from that this time. Did that surprise you that they didn't go co-captains again? Uh, not really. They've lost so much experience um, in the last couple of, well, in the last year when you lose Brody Vitellak, you lose Brad Webber, you lose Sammy Kane. Um, he was the obvious choice. I think he led the uh, under-19s or under-20s to the 2017 championship under Razor Ray. So he's a very, um, he's, a, he's got leadership qualities. He leads by example. He's a quiet man. He doesn't say a hell of a lot. But uh, that, that's some of the best attributes of a good captain. They just lead by example, lead with their actions. He's a, he's a physical player. Mm. He's concrete shoulders, they used to call him uh, at the Chiefs. My only challenge for him is this year there's an opportunity there in, at higher honours in those Louis Fortier. When he's transitioned from the Chiefs, and particularly in Super Rugby, he's been very good. But when he's gone to the international level, when he's facing bigger opposition... He probably hasn't had that physical presence that we're after from a Lucifer trio. So, love to really see him up his game physically and particularly with the defensive um, defensive shots. So, you know, I'm 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 not surprised at all that they just went for him. Yeah, well, Clayton uh, McMillan did uh, get asked about this. Is what he had to say about going away from having co-captains. Just think it's an opportunity for him to, um, you know, really embrace the leadership role and. Um, you know, in the past, we've you know, had some captains who um, have all had a lot of experience and um, some of them weren't always able to get out on the park, so we sort of covered our, our bases um, a little bit there. But, but more than anything, it's just really about saying, yep, there's some, some guys who have moved on. It's an opportunity for Luke to just make a real, you know, cut his own path and um, make the role his own, ably supported by some good men. Now, he's got uh, a couple of guys uh, as vice-captains in Arameka Pohipi and Kalen Boshir, who we're going to talk to uh, shortly. I know that came as a bit of a surprise, didn't it, is because those guys are pretty short on experience. Yeah, Rameka Pohipi was probably the most surprising. He's He got picked up late last year for the Chiefs, went on to have a fantastic season and was in, you know kept a couple of quality players uh, out. So that, that shows to me that He's a starting midfielder for the for the Chiefs, alongside Caelan Boshier, who's going to join us soon. So uh, Caelan Boshier, very talented. He's had a, had a huge season last year for the Chiefs. Um, so he's a yeah a realistic op- option for that position. But yeah, the the Ramakapuhi decision was was quite surprising. But yeah, not surprising in, in the in the year he had last year. Well, Clayton was asked about that too, about those two players who, who got the vice-captaincy roles and their inexperience. So here's what he had to say. It's a little bit of a nod to the future, but also you know, the, the general public won't be aware around the influence that those guys have in our environments. Um, I think they're highly respected players. Um, they lead by example, as Luke does. Uh, they're a little bit quieter, but they're really considered and you know, when they... When they talk, it's usually in support or to challenge, um, and they've done that really well. They've been, you know, some of the leading candidates in the absence of our All Blacks uh, pre pre Christmas and, and in the New Year. So, um, so they're fully deserving of their role. Um, and then we know we've got, you know, some more established All Blacks and perhaps bigger personalities in the team that are going to uh, add value anyway. Um, so it's about it's about sharing the responsibility, the leadership. Um, Role. So those people that you're probably talking about, Anton, Damien, you know, Samasoni, Tupo, Vaya, all black guys, they all have roles to play in the team, but we don't want anyone to 
have to do any more than they need to. There you go, Clayton McMillan, uh, Chiefs coach, coming coming across really well. And some would say, is he? I, I know you can't look too far in the, uh, in, uh, in advance, but uh, potential to be, you know, the next All Black coach probably. Depends how long Scotty Robinson was <laughs> stay in that role and how much success he has. But man, you look at their midfield; they lost um, Alex Nankville. He's playing for Munster, um, and they've lost a little bit of depth in other positions. But you've got Quinn Tupai coming back. You've got Anton Leonard-Brown that plays in the midfield. You've got Ramika Poihepi, who has just been announced as co-captain. So there's going to be some tough decisions that, that coach uh, Clayton McMillan's going to have to make. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that season rolls out for the Chiefs with so many changes as well. 27 away from eight. Let's catch up with Araha for all the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota. 25 away from eight. Caelan Boshier joining us shortly. Kennard's Hire are making back-to-work trade easy. Here are some sports news headlines for you. Three of the country's top amateur players will tee it up at the New Zealand Open, presented by Sky Sport later this month, and be looking to make their mark on the 103rd edition of the iconic event. Tournament tees off at Millbrook between February 29 and March 3rd. As members of Golf New Zealand's National Academy, Jaden Ford, Joshua Bai and Zach Schwartz Schwanek have received invites to contest both the New Zealand Open trophy as well as the title of leading amateur, is he? Yeah, that's good news. I just read that as well. Um, Particularly for Joshua Bai, a very good Auckland golfer. I think he won, well, he just lost in a playoff in the um, amateur competition over in America. uh, I think it was last year. So a very talented golf. Um, Jordan Ford, haven't don't know much too much about him, but I've heard his name touted out there. Very talented, and I got to play around with Zach Schwanick, and uh, he is an absolute flusher. So, a good opportunity for these young kids coming through, and, and well done to New Zealand Open for including them in this tournament and giving them a chance to to have a swing with a couple of the big guns. It's going to be a great tournament, man. I cannot wait. We're in a couple of weeks out, and my golf game is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Luton Town were the big winners of the English Premier League yesterday. They thrashed Brighton 4-0 and moved out of the relegation zone. Everton took their place in the bottom three after they could only manage a nil-all draw away at Fulham. Elsewhere, fellow relegation candidates Sheffield United blew a 2-1 lead at Crystal Palace to lose 3-2 and remain rooted to the bottom of the table. And at the top end, Arsenal battled to a 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest to leave them two points behind leaders Liverpool, who play Chelsea today. Arsenal then host Liverpool this weekend. So a big couple of games coming up. And Aston Villa suffered their first loss at home in a year, going down 3-1 to Newcastle United yesterday. And to the NBA, Dante DiVincenzo, what a name, uh, had a career-high nine three-pointers and finished with 33 points last night after a red-hot New York Knicks completed their best month in almost 30 years with a 118-103 win over the Jazz. DiVincenzo went nine for 15 beyond the arc and finished one three-pointer shy of matching the franchise record shared by J.R. Smith and even Fournier. Josh Hart posted his first career triple-double as well with 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And uh, the they've won the final eight games of January to finish 14-2 and two for the month. The 14 wins are the most by the Knicks in a calendar month since Patrick Ewing's uh, Pat Riley coach team went 14-zip and zip in March 1994, is he? Mm, crazy. Um, oh, you just got me thinking we were talking about Joel, uh, the NBA, and yesterday I watched Joel Embiid play, and he looked sore. He looked like he was pushing through, uh, like, absolute agony, putting his body through. 
He is on, on his way to getting the MVP for the NBA. But when you see your MV, MVP playing like he is, is that the right move from the 76ers? Man, he is struggling. Well, he's not only on his way to getting the MVP, he's also on his way to getting an MRI on his mm. knee, apparently. So watch this space. He might it miss. bad. He might miss he a few. so sore. Yeah, mm. 100%. 100%. Like, anyway, those are your sports news headlines. Kennard's Hire are making back-to-work trade easy with a trade station gift card worth $1,000. It is 21 away from 8 when we come back. Kalen Boshier joins us. 16 away from 8 o'clock. We cross uh, live now to the airport to catch up with uh, Kalen Boshier, vice-captain of the Chiefs. How does that sound to you, Kalen? Are you still getting used to that? What's that? Sorry, I'm, sorry guys. I'm just checking my bags at the airport. <laughs> no, that's right. I just said I introduced you as vice captain of the Chiefs. Uh, are you still getting used to how that sounds? Uh, yeah. Um, obviously, it's only been a couple of days, so still thinking in a bit. Um, we Clayton just sort of sat us down and talked about how what he, what he wanted the leadership look like this year, and um, me and Ram Ramika going to be vice-captain and just just, just Luke on uh, his captaincy. Caleb, great to have you on the show, mate. Um, why do you feel Clayton gave you the nod to to be co-captain alongside Rami Kapoyapi? Because we'll, we'll be honest, probably uh, thought a couple of years' time that might have been the opportunity you got, but it's come a lot earlier than probably people predicted. What was that, what was that moment like? Um, yeah, well... I think talking with Ramika, we probably both felt that like that as well. Um, mm. But we've, we've been uh, in this group a few years now. Um, so I guess it's just an opportunity. And these guys like Damien and Anton there um, with a lot of experience. Um, so we just cool to learn off them and I guess work, work with them as well. You're heading up to uh, Japan for uh, what's a bit of a first for Super Rugby teams out in New Zealand, uh, going overseas uh, really to, to to play preseason. Mate, are you, are you looking forward to that? I know your brother's up there. You're looking at tickling his, uh, looking forward to tickling his ribs at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, we just played them first game, so might be a couple of sevens going at each other for uh, forty or forty or so minutes. So, nah, looking forward to it. Um, catching up with him and his partner, and I've just had a little one as well. So um, being, being an uncle for a day or so will be a pretty cool experience. What do you know about the Wild Knights, mate? They are absolutely flying in the top league. They are six from six. They are putting 50 on most opponents. You, have you been doing a bit of... I was with Xavier Rowe on the weekend, and he said that he's been watching a few films and been pretty tired watching it because of the game and the product that they play. Yeah, um, you know, one thing with Clayton, it uh, doesn't matter if it's pre-season or not, um, he'll show you some footage of um, how the opposition are going. And, um, yeah, they're playing some awesome rugby. They're pumping everyone. So um, I keep keep telling the boys that this is going to be a bloody tough game for us first up. And, um, yeah, no, nah, it's just... I guess it's cool to play a different team we haven't played before and the style that they're going to bring. And, um, yeah. Hey, what's the what's the preseason been like for you as as a group, particularly after the heartbreak of last year? I had to bring it up, but I had to, you know, I'm a, I'm a crusader through and through. But heartbreak of last year, well, what has made the main focus this off season? Um, for us, it's just I guess yeah, there was a lot of hurt there. Um, 
from last season. Um, we just want to get one better this year, and it's been a focus um, on our game as well. Um, the training's ramped up uh, the side of the Christmas break. Um, the boys are just ready to rip into a game of footy. They're sick of uh, we're sick of ripping <laughs> into each other, really. <laughs> I bet, mate. And you've had an inclusion of uh, a stalwart of the of the Chiefs, Mana, and that is Liam Messam, mate. How have you found Liam's inclusion in the coaching role, and what has he done for you and the group, particularly in the loose forwards? Yeah, Liam's been awesome. Um, just having him around the around the group and his presence he brings. Um, he's played a lot of footy, so um, yeah, I guess that toughness he brings um, sort of. I guess um, flows on to the boys and um, yeah, just learn off him it's been a pretty cool uh, experience for us Has he uh, tried to talk you into pulling the gloves on yet mate and, uh, and having a go? <laughs> well, we do a few conditioning sessions and we get the gloves on and um, he loves just thrashing the boys um, gets real high from it but uh, nah not for me, the old boxing, that's for sure. All right, Caleb, we're going we're gonna to delve a little bit off topic here, but what happened in the Black Clash, mate? That was horrible. <laughs> mate, Izzy, where were you? <laughs> when, when mate, we needed I'm, you the most, you weren't there. I'm, I'm retiring, mate, and after watching that, I'm thinking about coming out of retirement. I could have done better than most of those blokes. <laughs> <laughs> if you got me opening the bowling... Um, it's going to be a long day. I'm going to be chasing a few, so. I'll leave it there, I think. Yeah, you looked like you were missing a little bit of express pace just to punch through that top order, eh? Yeah. Well, we needed that 140 clicks, is he? Used to bowl at uh, high school. Um, well, look, this was too busy on holiday somewhere, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they asked me, and I said, no, nah, I'm going on holiday. I'll come next year. Um, mate, you've got to be clutching if you want Dagger to come there. But I'm on my journey, so hopefully I can come back and, uh, and start ripping it down, mate. I've dropped a few kilos. I had a few to lose there. Hey, uh, Caelan, well done on, on getting the, the co-captain uh, accolade and next to your name, mate. I think you're going to be fantastic. And just quickly, before we let you go, you've lost so much experience. Brody Retallick, you've lost um, Brad Webber. You lost Sammy Kane, so that's a ton of experience, a ton of voices that probably have been missing from training. Who has been filling those roles from a from a leadership point of view and voices that you've been pretty surprised with? Um, there's quite a few All Blacks done in the group, so he likes to win and mm. um, Tupo, obviously Luke, um, Anton, Damien. You know, we don't. We lose all those experienced players, but there's also those boys still here, and um, there's a group of us that have, uh, are coming through as well. So, um, nah, there's still a lot of voices uh, being spoken. Um, so it's been good. Good stuff, Caleb. Hey, listen, mate. I know you've got a flight to catch. Uh, you probably you probably were wanting to hit duty free and uh, and grab yourself a coffee before you hit the uh, uh, before you hit the plane as well, mate. So we'll let you go. But appreciate your time, mate. Enjoy Japan. Enjoy being an uncle for a day or two and catching up with your brother. And uh, good luck with the season, eh? Cheers. Thanks, guys, for having me. Cheers. Anytime that you go, Caleb Beauchere, the uh, vice captain of the uh, Chiefs. Speaking of coffee, oh. he needed a coffee. 
<laughs> I just I just got one delivered thanks to uh, 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 Night and Day. Remember, it is trading's hour, is he? And you can stay uh-huh. your morning with a hell of a coffee from just four dollars fifty at your local Night and Day. What else can I have? Because I'm having a de- I'm doing detox, mate. Day four Ooh, of this yeah. detox. No coffee, no sugar, no carbs, and it's it's been a grind. But I've dropped two kilos already. Well, that's good. That's good. Mm. Uh, what else could you have? I suppose does no sugar mean no juices? Yeah, no juices. No juices. So I'm having a kale smoothie for Ooh, breakfast. Okay, that that's that doesn't sound that appetising. Um, what about? It's nice. Yeah, it's okay. Cool. Mm. Uh, what about? I tell you what, I actually my go to now. I don't. I'm not a big tea drinker, but my missus loves tea, uh, and yeah, I discovered same. I discovered licorice tea. Licorice tea. I couldn't think of anything worse. Vomit. Oh. I hate licorice. Oh, do you? What's so good about that? Oh, mate, I love licorice. And licorice tea is amazing. It's not the black amazing. licorice, is it? Is it a black tea? No, uh, no, it's not a black tea because licorice is really sort of, it's like a, a bark, basically. So this is, uh, it's kind of, I guess it's dark, but it's brown, but it's it's got a great taste to it. And it's kind of, I find it's great for your gut and uh, it gives you a kick too. Okay. Okay. Oh. I'll put that in the in the, in the hey, memory mate, bank. You're drinking a put no, you're drinking a kale smoothie. <laughs> Licorice tea's not going to be worse. Uh, <laughs> you're on breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. It's seven away from eight. Couple of minutes away from eight o'clock, and Dagger's donation is up for grabs again today. We are looking for two options uh, to throw in for Dagger's <laughs> donation. Uh, so keep those coming through. Double eight, double three. Had a few. We might need to change the title there. It's not really a donation. Come on, man. Give me something. Is it real? Do I stop a lot? Yes. Um, Let us know. Double eight, double three. Do I stop everything? Do I? No, I, I picked yes. I picked one yesterday. Ascend to the throne. It went well. It went well. What about Izzy's investment? Izzy's investment, do you prefer that? Yeah, Izzy's um, NFT investments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go about as well as the old NFTs have gone. Uh, uh, Barry, I think Barry's gone a week early. Uh, Morena, guys, yep. this week's Izzy flopper bet is Purdy and Mahomes <laughs> to, to combine for 100-plus rushing yards at 20 bucks. That'll be yeah, next, a, next week, bro. It's, next week. it's the next week's option. And Joey from Gizzy is actually in at the Super Bowl, so we'll get him on and see, get a feel of what's it like over at the Super Bowl. But, yeah, that's, that's next week, Barry, and I cannot wait that long for my multi to come through. So send that through again next week, and you could be a chance part of that. But keep them coming through on double eight double three. And uh, Tyrell Hatton is Foxy's best mate, apparently. You reckon he might go? Mark has texted that through. Foxy, Foxy won't go. (laughs) Foxy won't go. I don't know. Look, money talks and Tyrell Hatton's gone over. Foxy, um, I'm sure if he got floated a few zeros in front of his name, he might go. He might do. He might do. Coming up on the show in the next hour, Jeff Parks out of Australia to talk this Melbourne Rebel situation. Lance O'Sullivan for Love Racing. Paul Mawadi from the TAB as well. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. It's four past eight on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. And I tell you all, we have found what you've been looking for, and that is the All Blacks schedule for 2024. It has officially landed, and here's what it looks like, Izzy. England Mm -hmm. at Forsyth Bar, July the 6th. England at Eden Park, July the 13th. Fiji in San Diego on July the 20th. And then we get into the Rugby Championship. We've got Argentina back-to-back 
in Auckland and Wellington. Well, Wellington first on the 10th of August, Auckland on the 17th of August. Then we go to South Africa, play the Yarpies back-to-back in Joburg and Cape Town, August 31 and September 7. And then it's the Aussies. At Acor Stadium in Sydney, September 21st, and then Sky Stadium, Wellington, on uh, Saturday the 28th of September. And then we go on the Northern Tour. 26th of October, we play Japan in Yokohama. And then England at Twickenham on the 2nd of November. Ireland, France, and Italy also on their end-of-season tour. It is a baptism of fire for one Scott Razor-Robertson. 14 Mm. test matches in his first year. Yes, it's it's a difficult schedule, isn't it? When you're facing South Africa back-to-back in South Africa. I can't remember the last time we did that. It's been a very last year. long time. Was it? Yeah, remember Fozzie, when we went over there. Oh, and yeah, Fozzie... yeah, we lost the first one, and yeah. then we beat them in, in... Yeah. Yeah, now you did right. Well, I just go back to when we, we hardly ever played them back-to-back in South Africa. It was difficult as hell to go over there and play one, and now you're going to play them back-to-back. It's tough, but... Um, that's the way it goes. I love how they've included Fiji. Fiji getting a crack in San Diego. It'd be interesting to know why they've gone to San Diego. But Probably because the surf's all right and Razor fancies it. Yeah, maybe. Or particularly trying to grow the game there with the World Cup 2031 mm. being in in the United States. So that's an awesome inclusion, looking after the Pacific Islands with Fiji. Uh, and then you look to the Northern Tour. Oh, I don't think I've seen a hard at all for the All Blacks. Mm. England, Ireland, France. That is three straight tests against top-tier nations, and then you finish with Italy. So, absolutely love it. It's no easy start for um, Razor Ray, but uh, a good start in itself. Yeah, Home home of the San Diego Legion, where Mm. 41-year-old Ma Nonu has signed on for one more season. Well, you reckon he he pulled the strings and got them over there? <laughs> Mate, who knows? Probably probably gave him one of those and sprays Mac, he gave and you. Mekito, <laughs> yeah. and Ma'alonu, two players that have played against each other a hell of a lot, are playing in the same team. But, uh, yeah, awesome. Interesting uh, s- uh, schedule in terms of Fiji and San Diego and back-to-back games over in, in South Africa, but... An awesome schedule. It's going to be good to look forward to it and see how it kicks off in June, yeah. July. Can't wait. Big big schedule for the All Blacks on the way. It is mm. seven past eight. We cross now to Australia. Jeff Parks joins us, Kiwi journalist and author who follows rugby very, very closely. He's written a few books on it. He uh, is, is always on raw as well.com.au uh, updating all the big rugby stories. And mm. he was with the Melbourne Rebels or in the offices of the Melbourne Rebels a lot yesterday. News coming out. They have officially entered administration and Rugby Australia cannot guarantee their future beyond this season. Good morning to you, Jeff. Thanks for getting up bright and early for us. Uh, morning, boys, and always a pleasure to chat. Jeff, uh, this has probably been no surprise. I mean, when we since we've been back this year, there have been rumblings, been stories. There were stories towards the end of last year. Um, where do things sit now? You were, you were pretty close to the action yesterday. How, how are they placed, the Rebels and the players, the coaches, etc.? Um, yeah, well, look, as you said, this has been brewing for a while, um, but, you know, probably not so much just brewing at the Rebels. It's it's an issue that uh, they've been singled out at the moment, but really the bigger mm. story is how this is just a symptom of, of the, you know, stress in the game here financially uh, overall. Uh, the Waratahs are pretty much in the same situation, but they had the benefit of being able just to fold over straight away and, and all their commercial operations 
have been taken over by Rugby Australia. That all happened before Christmas. And and the, the only real big difference there was that it was done in private. And the Rebels have had to, unfortunately, endure, have this play out in the media. And, and you know, there was, I wrote on Monday, a uh, bit of a sad story about how this was leaked and, and why it was leaked. It was sort of, uh, you know, a, a bit of a, uh, an unfortunate situation where Rugby Australia really have, have recognised that uh, they don't have any money. Everyone's sort of been talking about that for a long time, but this is really the the living of it and the playing out of it. And so, so you know, to speed things up or to rip the Band-Aid off a bit quicker, I guess, this has been allowed to play out in public and we've got to this situation where uh, the Rebels have gone into administration uh, but like I said, it's not just about them, uh, the Brumbies. Mm. Uh, it, it, all, all of the the sides have the same financial equation. They just to give you a little bit of detail. There, you know, costs about twelve, thirteen million dollars to run a, a franchise. Rugby Australia's reduced the amount that they give to the clubs. It's now only three point nine million dollars a year. So, just to stay afloat or stay in the competition. They've, they've got to find eight million bucks from somewhere just for you know just for a start. So it's no surprise that uh, the franchises are in a bit of stress. And with Rugby Australia saying, well, we can't continue to cover the difference. If if they don't have a wealthy benefactor or, or the state government tipping in, uh, we're going to reach these uh, points like we have have now. It's pretty sad, Jeff, um, from a New Zealand point of view, because without Australia, we don't have any international competition. And it's sad to really understand how it got to this situation, mate. What is the solution for Melbourne Rebels? And I know they've been bailed out by the Victorian government in 2017 that um, they had to obviously allow the World Cup final potentially to be there, the Lions series. They're $9 million in debt. Like, what is the solution here? Um, yeah, well, you're right, Izzy. There's, there's no easy solution. That's, uh, that's mm. the first thing to say. So there are a couple of potential options, and uh, the administrator came in uh, and has addressed the, the staff and the players, and, and yeah, I think they did a pretty good job in terms of uh, calming everybody and settling everything down, and and uh, you know, so the, they've, they've got a trial match this weekend on Saturday against the Waratahs. So that's probably the best thing that can happen in the short term. Focus everyone uh, back on the rugby, but in the long term, the administrator, uh, the the Vic State government, uh, Rugby Australia, they'll sit down and and. You know, and the board members that are still involved, they'll sit down and nut, try and nut out a solution that extends beyond this year. Uh, Rugby Australia definitely want to maintain a presence in Melbourne. Um, the club's doing great things. I think you know people saw a, a big improvement last year. I expect that that will uh, go ahead again substantially this year. The side's in a great spot. Uh, they've recruited really well. They're fitter. They're every, all those indicators uh, are good. So I think everyone wants to keep it mm. going, and it's just a matter of, of you know, a, a lot of it will come back on the government and and how what sort of deal they can put forward. They want to host the World Cup final. They're prepared to pay for that. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of money either. You know, all governments are short of dough these days. The big government's probably. Uh, 
you know, the most indebted in Australia. But they'll they'll try and find a way to do it. But whether that's enough uh, and to set it up sustainably for the future is a different story. And and uh, World Rugby is also involved. There's been talk mm. about possibility of shifting Moana Pacifica across to Melbourne. You know, just on the face of that, I think it's a terrible idea in terms of, you know, talking about a merge. You know, what what mm. would they be merging? And uh, But, you know, there may be some creative way to to furnish the solution out of that. New Zealand rugby clearly don't want to keep paying for Moana Pacifica. Um, mm. So so world rugby is prepared to tip in and, and solve two problems at once and, and, you know, fund that, then obviously Rugby Australia is going to look closely at that option as well. Depth has probably been the big question mark over over the last couple of years. Is there an ideal solution where the Melbourne, the Rugby Australia just wave the right white flag and say, look, it didn't work depth-wise. We've got so much talent here. Carter Gordon, you got Andrew Calloway, you just signed Matt Proctor. You've got talent that is oozing at the Melbourne Rebels to spread them out amongst the other franchises and try and sol- solely focus on your probably rugby-focused states, you know, your, your Queenslands, your New South Wales, your, your Western Australias. Um, could that be an ideal solution? Um, well, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think mm. anyone that's involved in uh, Melbourne, the franchise is, what, 13 years old now. And, mm. and you know, so hist- by historical terms, you know, they haven't been successful, but uh, they don't have the longevity and, and mm. you know, the Crusaders or the, the Canes do or the Blues or anything like that with their links back to the provincial uh, setups and all the history that's involved with that. So, and same for the Waratahs and the Reds. So, so you know, I think we're a bit quick to beat up on um, Melbourne, and I'm probably a bit defensive about that uh, living here. But yeah, it just mm. doesn't happen overnight. They do need to to get some runs on the board. And look, what makes a successful franchise isn't just the dumping in of a couple of players here or there and expecting everything to get better. It's much more than that. And, uh, you know, it's about building a culture and systems and processes that everybody understands and believes in. And, and you know, that's uh, it's about cohesion and teamwork index and the Crusaders have always mm-hmm. been at the top of those sorts of measurements. And, yet, you know, they just haven't bought in players willy-nilly. The way they have bought in players... It's just been to fix a particular hole or to make something a wee bit better, uh, but you know it's it's just it's just not the way you you build long term success. And they've gone away and they've they've worked really hard over the last couple of years at looking at how to do that. And uh, as I said, I think we're going to see uh, evidence of that this year. So. Um, no, I think it's a bit of an easy thing to say is you just take those players out, put them on the other sides, and, and they'll all get better. And we saw when the force was dropped in 2017, uh, those players, you know, half of them went overseas, the others were dispersed around the other Australian sides, and it didn't make a scrap of difference at all. Jeff, one thing I've noticed um, in, on my visits to Melbourne is rugby being invisible and, and talking to Melbournians who aren't rugby fans, a lot of them don't know the difference between rugby union and rugby league. Um, you know, I remember looking at the at the back page of the uh, the Melbourne Age and, you know, you've you got six pages of AFL, you might have one page of rugby league, you've got some motorsport, you've got some golf, you've got a lot of cricket, you've got football, you've got basketball. 
I don't see any rugby. How do how do Rugby Australia, how do the Melbourne Rebels make it more visible in Melbourne? Uh, well, yeah, good question. And I think that's part of the core problem here is that, you know, it's it's not just down to the Rebels, right? The issue is the visibility of rugby as a sport and super rugby and people understanding that. And and I don't even think the issue is so much about how does, how does the game attract uh you know, Melbourne sports fans or AFL sports fans. It's, you know, we saw at the Bledisloe Cup last year, there's 84,000 people that's been sold yeah. out before, the 100,000 people. And a lot of those are expat Kiwis um, that still support their home franchise and still support the All Blacks. A lot of them are expat South Africans or, or, or Brits that, that are rugby people. And they're not coming along to the Rebels game because they're not, uh, you know the rebels haven't won enough, so that's one reason. But but they're also not engaged with Australian rugby, and and you know they see it as a bit of a back basket case. And you know one thing Super Rugby's got wrong over the years, they haven't invested. Fans are you know, through the New Zealand Union and Australian Union haven't invested in marketing and promoting the game. And I don't see that mm. that's the rebels' job. You know it's it's who's marketing rugby when. When the Hurricanes come here and Artie Sevier comes here or Bowden Barrett comes with the Blues, you know, is that the Rebels' job to tell people to come along and watch Artie Sevier and Bowden Barrett? It's, it, it's, it's rugby's job. And there's never been a, uh, you know, the commission's been set up now and I think they have recognised that they need to promote the game better. And I think if that had happened, uh, we'd certainly see uh, you know, a lot more visibility for the game in Melbourne. Now, having said that, uh, you know, it's it, it, that old adage, any publicity is good publicity. Well, it's not the case here. We did have this week the Herald Sun, that uh, the main uh, most popular paper in Melbourne, uh, or last week, do a two-page spread on the Rebels. And the first time they've covered them in, in God knows how long, and because it's all about the financial crisis. But we did see a nice story in the age yesterday about Rob Leota, home homegrown yeah. boy, uh, growing good, and it was a nice profile on him. So uh, there are people that are prepared to help, and and the club does what it can. But you know, nine million dollars in debt. Clearly, they don't have a lot of money to splash around um, in the marketplace to promote the game. Jeff, sustainability of a competition is probably high on the priority list. So New Zealand and Australia are going to be in Super Rugby with an inclusion of the Pacific Islands. Well, a couple of the New Zealand teams have gone over to Japan to play in a couple of pre-season outings, which I think will be fantastic. Sold-out stadium there against the Panasonic Wild Knights. Innovation, would you like to see any inclusion from another union to be a part of Super Rugby, and what could that be? Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, clearly... There's potential there in Japan. There's a lot of New Zealand uh, players, coaches, and, and been over there for a while. Now, Japan's a very difficult place to do business, and they've been working away, uh, building their own competition up, uh, the professional competition. And it's, you know, on one hand, it's sort of happened by stealth, but on the other hand, everyone's known for a long time that that's, you know, going to be how it goes. Uh, so it's very frustrating, I think. Uh, for most followers here that uh, the Sunwolves, uh, you know, didn't really work because it didn't fit domestically with what Japan wanted to do with their uh, with their competition. And I think it's frustrating that 
it's taken Santa or Australia and New Zealand so long to to get Japan, uh, you know, closer in in the Super Rugby level and also at the Rugby Championships level. And you know, any of us could sit down and say, well, let's put Fiji and Japan into a, a six-team Rugby Championships. Mm. It's it's an absolute no-brainer. And here we are mm. in 2024, still talking about, well, it might happen, you know, in a few years' time or something like that. So. Yeah, have our administrators, um, you know, served the game in that respect as well as they they have. I mean, we saw the expansion with Argentina uh, as well, uh, and that sort of fizzled out. You know, the answer is is no. You know, we haven't handled that as a game uh, mm. at that professional level as well as we should have, and 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 so everybody's still struggling there's not enough money in the competition everyone wants to be as professional as as the top french clubs are and, and but it costs money and and the, the competition just isn't generating enough money and this this problem that's in australia now with the rebels and and potentially with a couple of other franchises um you know there isn't much of a stretch to to transpose that over to New Zealand as, as well and say the way things are headed with the amount of money in Super Rugby, unless there is a turnaround and a new commission can do something to inject a bit of um, commercial vitality back into it. Um, you know, it's not much of a stretch to say, well, the same thing's going to happen there. So so the answer, one of those potential answers definitely is to, to tap in better to what's happening in Japan. One of the conversations I have, Jeff, or well, conversation I have all the time is the concern about the the game of rugby at the moment, and why we are losing such fanfare to other sports franchises, whatever it is. What do you pinpoint it to, mate? What do you put it down to? Why we are struggling? Why are we are at the situation now where fans are switching off and, and going and watching elsewhere? Yeah, well, it's a good question, and and you, you know the first thing a lot of people say, well, is the game's a bit boring. There's too much box kicking, and mm. and you know ball's not in play enough time. Now, anyone that was in uh, Paris watching the quarterfinals or at home watching them, and mm. and we saw France play South Africa and New Zealand play Ireland on that weekend, you know, two of the best rugby games you'd ever want to watch. There is nothing mm. wrong with the game, uh, you know, when it's played and refereed well. And, and you know, it was a good World Cup, and I think the game uh, was, you know, served well by that. So I don't think that's the issue that a lot of people yeah. make out. I think it's just an excuse. And, uh, you know, so then it comes down to, again, have we marketed the game as well as we should have? And, and I think, you know, we haven't, and and we are part of it cyclical as well. We've seen the Warriors obviously uh, pick up a massive, uh, you know, support and and positive vibes over the last year, and that's clearly going to flow again into this year. And you know, but that doesn't mean that rugby's in the toilet and rugby league suddenly the greatest thing that ever was as well. You know, a lot of people like me and, and I'm sure you guys we, we want to see both sports do well and um, so uh, yeah there's just a whole lot of it, it's, it's a bit of fatigue and tiredness and staleness mm. around the competition and, and part of that is because Australia haven't served their side of the bargain and, and their sides haven't been as competitive over the last 
you know, God knows how long now. You know, in terms, you know, they haven't seen the Blitter mm. Fly Cup for over 20 years now. So people <laughs> are just going to get a bit sick of that. I'm, I'm old enough to remember in the 90s when Auckland used to win uh, everything, you know, ran Truly Shield yep. era, and and nobody went to Auckland and won. And, and it was fun for the Aucklanders for a few years, and they used to switch ends at halftime, and you so said they could be closer to all the tries and all that sort of stuff. Um, but but it wasn't fun after a while, and people just started getting bored and switched off, and then they stopped going. And I think, you know, there's a big element of that as well with uh, New Zealand, Australian rugby and, and super rugby. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. You're always optimistic in February, uh, you know, January, February. And I think, I do think the Australian sides are going to do better this year. Um, you know, I think coming out of a World Cup, they've had a longer prep. And uh, and I think there has been a lot of work going uh, into some of these franchises last year and over the pre-season. And I do think we are going to see uh, a, a much better competition or a much more competitive competition this season. So, you know, that's a good start. Yeah, well, I hope, I hope you're right, Jeff. I hope you're right. I mean, we have had a few texts coming in saying, you know, the Australians just have a limited player base they could probably do with one less team to make the other teams uh, more competitive. But that's a, that's a whole other conversation. What I do want to get from you just before we let you go is how confident are you on a scale of 1 to 10 the Rebels will be running around in the 2025 Super Rugby Pacific Comp? Yeah, but, uh, look, I don't think anybody's confident about uh, about that. And and let me make that point. I spoke to uh, Chairman Daniel Herbert on uh, Monday, and you know they are really signalling at the moment that they can't, they don't know what it looks like for 2025. Not just for the rebels, but but for their business in total. And and the reason for that is that. They don't have a, uh, a broadcast deal moving past that. They don't know what that's going to be worth. They don't know how much money they're going to be, you know, having having to use and then how much of that will go towards sustaining the Super Rugby side. So so they are saying that they can't guarantee the Rebels past 2024. That's true. They can't guarantee, you know, what's happening in the whole game past 2024 at the moment that's really the issue mm. and they have and you know they're having to work with New Zealand rugby and give assurances there they obviously have to sell something to the broadcasters and they can't sit across the table and say well we don't know so they have to figure this out sooner than later so mm. so it is right to say there are no guarantees for 2025 but at the same time I think uh, you know, the next three weeks, I, I, if you don't mind giving me a rain check, I'll come back to you after that. Yeah. I think the next three the next three weeks are critical, um, you know, with the administrator and Rugby Australia. They'll be starting to form uh, some stronger opinions. Uh, you know, they need to progress the broadcast rights negotiations. And then I think, it, you know, it will gradually, a picture will appear uh, about what are the realistic options for moving forward. And as I say, they'll get a better picture from World Rugby and also the big state government. And and everyone will want to create a solution that just doesn't go through this year, that does extend past 2025. It's too big a market here, and there's been too much uh, progress made here just to, you know, to wave all that away. So everyone will be doing their best, um, but... 
yeah, there is definitely no guarantees at the moment. Uh, you know, you just can't invent the cash out of nothing. Mm. Uh, so, like I said, I think we'll get a, a, a better uh, view of that over the next few weeks. Good stuff, Jeff. Really appreciate your time and getting up bright and early for us, mate. Thanks very Thanks, much. Jeff. And go well. Have a great day. Uh, yeah, no, it's always a pleasure, guys, and uh, really looking forward to, um, you know, to how the season rolls and, and looking forward to seeing pictures of Ma Nonu uh, from San Diego on a horse. Do they have good horses over there? <laughs> Boundary, mate. Boundary. It'd be a Palomino knowing, knowing Ma. Good stuff. Jeff Parks there. You can catch his writing on theraw.com.au, author of the book A World in Conflict, The Global Battle for Rugby Supremacy. It is 8.28 here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SCNZ. 24 away from 9 o'clock here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SCNZ. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. Paul Mawadi is with us from the TAB. Good uh, g'day, Paulie. How you doing, mate? Yeah, morning, Ricardo. Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, hope Paul is well up your part of the world. Well, I need your help, Paul. I need your help. We, oh, we, no. we, we've got Izzy's investment, <laughs> as we're now calling it. We're calling it Izzy's investment now. And, and so we're, we're picking two <laughs> bets. Uh, Izzy's, Izzy's got one. Which, which bet are you going with, Izzy, for, for the investment? Uh, well, you caught me off, off oh, guard. You still, you, sorry, he's putting on his shoes, getting ready for the gym. Who are you picking? Well, I was going to ask Paulie to make the decision for me because there's a couple that I like, but I want Paulie to make the decision for me. So either uh, Zach has sent through Tom Hartley, top wicket taker, first innings, England, India. It's an absolute Bunsen burner, apparently. So uh, that is I I quite like. Uh, But then it was another option as well, which is Chelsea to get a draw at Liverpool at 4.33 Today, that one kicking off at a quarter past nine. Which one do you like best, Paulie? Which way? You, which way will you go? Uh, oh, boy, see, boy, crikey! Uh, look, if I had to, um, I'd. In fact, I think you're going to ask me to pick one, and you're going to go the other one. I'm. I am sure that is what's going to happen here. So, <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go the, with the man with the hot hand, Tom Hartley. Tom Hartley. Tom Hartley to, to be the t- the top wicket taker in England's uh, in India's first innings for England. Uh, okay then. Yeah. What, what are you okay, what, what are you going to go? Is well, it? well, we we picked yesterday. We picked Williams money that mm. one yesterday. A centre thrown that one yesterday, and then Mark Clado came on and Clayton come on and spoke about poetic justice. Well, that ran like a donkey. So today I'm going to go with Kim, and I'm going to go with Kim and her anchor. Is St. Ellis to win Taranaki Cup on Saturday, paying $4.50, giddy up. So, Kim, you're with me. Kim and Zach, there you go. Those are our uh, the two that we're throwing in there. Tom Harley paying three dollars sixty. So, uh, it is gonna it's gonna pay all right, Paulie. What do you what do you think of Izzy's pick? Uh, we welcome uh, Israel Dag selections in uh, this multi, <laughs> and uh, we look forward to the results over the weekend. Uh, Rob, Robbie, have you got a, a, a total for us? I've got a total of 760 with the $50 bonus bet. There you go, 760. We'll split that between Zach and Kim uh, when it comes through. Not if, when. Let's be positive. Uh, Paulie, uh, what else is big for you today, bud? Uh, well, I guess it's a big, big weekend coming up uh, sport-wise. Uh, but I thought I'd have a look at the, a wee bit of the golf because the Kiwi golfers have been performing uh, so mm. well over the last few weeks. Uh, of course, uh, Kazuma Kabori, 
um, is on fire at the moment, and he is actually joint favourite to win the Victoria Open, um, which is on this weekend. He's at $17, uh, Kazuma Kabori. Um, I'm just having a look at the women's because his sister's playing uh, in the Women's Victoria Open, and she's paying $23, Momoka Kabori, uh, to win that one. So brother and sister looking very, very good uh, in Australia this weekend. And, of course, the Live Golf, uh, um, I guess, uh, series kicks off in, uh, where are we, Mexico, with the Invitational Maya Coba. And uh, I think Izzy actually got to talk to Cam Smith caddy uh, Sam mm. Pinfold on the weekend um, and he uh, seemed very very uh, confident he was at the uh, TAB Karaka Millions uh, and Cam Smith is on the fourth line of betting in that uh, Mayakoba Invitational at $15 the favourite no real surprises there John Rahm at $5 but Cam Smith $15 and we hope that he and Sam Pinfold go very very well and of course the PGA Tour is in California for the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and it is a stacked field this year Scotty Scheffler at the top of the market at $10 Rory McIlroy 11 Victor Hovland 14 along with Xander Shoffle also at 14 I thought uh, let's look for a local and Colin Morikara uh, I thought was a wee bit of value at $21 mm. um, but there has been money for McIlroy and Hovland uh, in that outright betting market yeah, yeah, the Live Golf. How seriously do you take that, man? I always kind of struggle with it a bit. You know, it's basic. It's basically mini golf, isn't it? Like, can Cam Smith get it through the clown's mouth and over the windmill and that sort of stuff? It's kind of like that's what it feels like. Yes, yes, but if he gets it in the clown's mouth, he picks up seven million dollars. So. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. I'd play mini golf for that money. <laughs> Good stuff, Paulie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, where are you going to be this weekend, mate? What's your highlight this weekend? Uh I'll be uh, I'll be on the couch at home watching uh, a bit of sport and a bit of racing. So look, at, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there's plenty on, of course, uh, Six Nations as well. Um, so uh, and the test match between the Black Caps and South Africa starts on Sunday, and the boys have got the markets out. Black Caps a dollar eleven, South Africa eleven dollars. The draw at nine dollars and eighty cents. Working on a promotion of some sort for that first test match. Uh, so keep an eye out on the Punters Lounge on the TAB website. That should be coming through. And in the Cargo Harness today, races one and two, there's a bonus back promotion there, back to second and third. Um, something, I think, something for everyone over the weekend. Beautiful, Paul. Go well, mate. And uh, we'll catch up with you Monday. You can check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. Lance O'Sullivan up next. 13 away from 9 o'clock and loveracing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. A man who knows what a good horse looks like, Lance the Legend O'Sullivan, joins us this morning. Lance, how are you doing? Yeah, good morning, gents. I'm really well, thank you. Hey, Lance, it's been a, a big weekend of racing. Just quickly, how did your stable pull up post the, the big Karaka Millions, in particular Molly Bloom? Oh, look, she pulled up really well. You know, Andrew and I and all the team, we were, look, we were a little bit disappointed on the night, but, you know, the track mm. really rode, as everybody saw. If you're sort of up and in, you're at, a, at a, yeah. uh, a huge advantage, and she was certainly disadvantaged by the run she got, and she had to make a run out wide, and she covered a lot of ground with no cover. Um, look, we just turned the page, you know, so that's, that's mm. racing, but, um, you know, she's going to line up uh, Saturday week, 
uh, at Tirap on the Phillies 2,000 metres, and we, we certainly think she's going to be pretty hard to beat. Yeah, punters won't be shying away from it. I had it in my multi, and I tend to stop a few, so yeah. sorry about that, Lance, mate. Um, <laughs> well, it was, uh, look, I tell you, the writing was on the wall before they went out when you looked at... Um, mm. You know, the night's racing, you know, we thought, gee, this is a pretty going to be a tough ask. You know, we just weren't too sure where we were going to end up, and we proved to be correct. It just wasn't to be our night. What about Ytec, mate? Ytec come out in the new year and won the Group 1 Sistema Railway, $450,000, written by Warren Kennedy. Yeah, hey, look, he's, he's lining up Saturday week in the BCD Sprint. Uh, look, Warren's, Warren's already got a, had a prior commitment to another horse, and we've got Opie Boston on board, but the horse has gone really well. He went to Chirapa yesterday, yesterday had a gallop, mm. and uh, he's in good form. The horse, he looks fantastic. Well, it's been a big week at the Caracas Sale. Wexford Stales, have they made many purchases? Yeah, look, uh, uh, as I think we, we, uh, we purchased... 14, 14, I'm just, nice. 14 I think it was, and uh, we've got, uh, we got one today we're pretty keen on and one tomorrow, and, and you know, I, I think, um, you know, this is probably the best lot of horses that we have purchased since I've been involved in the industry, um, you know, 18, 19 years, and, you know, we're pretty excited, Andrew and I and all the team, you know, I think, I think as you've got to go to the sales with the idea of buying horses that are going to be competitive in these big races. And the days are sort of going along there with your sort of forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Um, look, I'm not saying you can't buy a good horse in that bracket. Of course you can, but you're going to fluke it. You know, everybody sees every horse. You've just got to spend a bit more money and give yourself a chance to compete with the big stables. And uh, the last probably two or three years, that's what we've gone out and done. Lance, with the uh, announcement of uh, NZB Kiwi, um, have you noticed more people uh, being at the sales this year and are the prices on average a bit higher than they may well have been beforehand? Look, absolutely. There's been a big resurgence and uh, I just wish that they'd made that announcement next week, not this week. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that, uh, yeah, the the interest in the industry, I've never, ever seen it. It's like the hype of the, the late 80s again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all of a sudden it's become trendy to be involved. A lot of young people are coming back into the game, which is just great because we sort of skipped a generation and uh, all of a sudden they're back. And, you know, the, the interest that we have had and, and uh, you know, syndicates, you know, groups of young guys or girls getting together and wanting to get involved, it, it's, um, yeah, it's quite mind-boggling. But, uh, look, Antone have been fantastic, you know, what they've come in and what they've, they've said they're going to do and what they are actually doing. Uh, you know, racing's becoming exciting again. Lance, you've been at the top of your game for very, very, arguably one of our greatest ever jockeys, if not the the greatest. Um, are you happy with the jockey ranks at the moment coming through the grades and how are you finding uh, working with Warren Kennedy after he made that shift over from South Africa? He is flying, particularly on New Year's Day. Yeah, look, I, I'll just correct you there. I'm not the greatest. James McDonald is <laughs> <laughs> way behind it, but I appreciate your kind words. Uh, look, look, we, we, are, we are lucky at the moment, you know, with Warren coming across and, uh, you know, as Warren's a, a, a very good jockey, as we all, as we all know. But, uh, you know, New Zealand, we've been able to retain Opie Boston and he's, mm. um, you know, Opie's, Opie's a great jockey. And, uh, you know, at, at the moment... I think with the stake increase, we're going to attract more, and, and uh, that's what we're all certainly hoping for because after you, you sort of get past, you know, half a dozen jockeys, there's quite a big drop-off. Um, but, uh, look, mm. it's great to have Warren here, and, uh, you know, he just had one of those red-letter days where everything went right, 
and uh, yeah, it's good to have him, him here. But uh, yeah, I, I think at the moment we're we're getting our jockeys are certainly getting better. Well, when I say better, uh, we're getting more of them. But um, mm. it, we all know every Boston he can compete anywhere around the world. Got a big meet in uh, the Naki this weekend. Uh, can you steer us into anything, Lance? Look, I'd love to, but I haven't even looked at the field. <laughs> just, we've been we've been concentrating on the sales, and we've been up there sort of probably been on the road probably two and a half weeks before the sales began, and then we started up there on the Monday. They started to sell on the on the Sunday, and we've only missed one day in the in the uh, in between. And so, uh, yeah, all of the, all of our energy and it's gone into that and concentration. But um, uh, no, I'd like to tip you one, boys, but I can't. Sorry. Uh, that's right. Next time. Next time, Lance. Thanks very much for your time this morning, mate. I uh, really appreciate it. Go well at uh, Karaka and look forward to seeing uh, what, what you pull out of there. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having us on. Anytime, mate. Anytime. Loveracing.nz for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, replays, profiles and more. We'll be back with Daniel McCarty after this at 7 away from 9. And we're a couple of minutes away from 9 o'clock. Daniel McCarty getting ready uh, to run the cutter between midday, uh, 9 and midday. Uh, Daniel, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Good morning. It is morning, right? Uh, Dog, I don't know where I am. I'm just watching the first promotional video for Fury v Usyk, and I'm utterly baffled. Uh, are they boxers <laughs> or are they Western uh, movie stars? It's quite something. <laughs> I'm only about 50 seconds in. Oh, wow. I'm only about 50 seconds in. I'll have to have a look. I'll have to have a look. Actually, excited to he- uh, to, to see uh, who they pair uh, David Nika with, the Kiwi boxer, because he's on the undercard. He's been... Uh, oh, part he? of he's part of Fury's camp. He's been fighting Fury or, or, or sparring Fury as a southpaw to mimic Usyk. Oh, right. Mm. Of course. The joy yeah. of left-handers, mate. Joy of left-handers, indeed, mate, indeed. So and speaking of left-handers, have you figured out who out of the Proteas is a left-hander, a spinner, a pace bowler, or what? Because nobody seems to know who any of these blokes are. Well, I seem to have lost connection with you, Rick Dog. Uh, the static down the line, static down the line. Um, yeah, I must admit, there's going to be a crash course in the next sort of 72 hours before the first ball is bowled. Luckily, Jeremy Coney's joining us after 9 o'clock. We'll open the lines. We're going to talk some Speedway today. What else are we going to talk about? I should have probably read the run sheet. That, you know, that's been really well put together by my, my awesome team. Uh, Michael Glading out of uh, New Zealand Golf to look at uh, the field for our New Zealand Golf Open. And much, much more, fella. Glading is a massive Arsenal fan, and I believe you two have a date this weekend. So enjoy that chat. Here's Araha with the latest news for Kubota.